Yo, will the real Dylan please stand up? If not, we're gonna have a problem here. We got some motherfuckers with wisdom, but there is no philosopher near. Come on, will somebody take the wheel? It's time one of you learn how to steal. The focus of other people. Come on, motherfuckers, be a goat, not the people. Yep, but when you get to the top of the steeple, just challenge everything and do. Reap with evil, but only people that deserve it. You're the clergy. Time to unearth it. Work it. Do something other than motion and jerk it. <laughs> okay, so we're at episode 43 now. We got a pretty good amount of people on the show today. Um, yeah, why don't you guys just introduce yourselves individually? Spectre's here. I think Lucifer was the cat. Yeah. But... yeah. Lucy's here. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm here. I'm going to chime in here and there. I'm mostly just uh, doing some chores and stuff around the house and some busy work, but I'm on my headphones and just uh, going to listen. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in sometimes. Gary, what's your name? Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was trying. I was. I was trying. I was trying to think of my AOL name. Give me a second. <laughs> All right, I'll go next. I'm Trevor. And hi, I'm Trevor's friend Neil. He brought me along. Nice, nice. Coming to see what happens. Well, it's uh, in case you know people who haven't really heard the show before, it's a podcast. But really, what it is is we just kind of try to find time to get together and just just talk about random bric-a-brac uh the first thing that we want to get into is you guys were telling me some uh interesting experiences you guys were having with uh, tarot readings is that something you guys have already been been into for a while neil oh me okay, oh either sorry. one um, no either one whoever oops uh, no, I wasn't really, what was interesting to me is that, um, so Trevor, uh, there's this guy who we used to know who was sending him DMs on Discord of just like, I mean, crazy stuff, like really just like all over the place, like nonsense that didn't make any sense. And one of the things he sent Trevor was just like this tarot reading, like pull of three cards, but he didn't like attach any description we didn't know why he pulled these what they were for what was anything and so we decided to like look them up uh and like just get into them mm -hmm. but as opposed to like my history with tarot the thing that made me like interested in it was that um <laughs> when i was in university i knew this like creationist woman who is this like radiation biophysics student <laughs> uh -huh. and she told me that she uh she's like a boarding and christian she didn't believe that like tarot was something people should be doing because the energies that tarot draws from uh come from the demonic or Ooh. something or whatever that means and i was like all right sounds true i don't know and um that was really like what got us like wanting to look into the tarot readings more was you know it was just it was just what is this wild person doing about it and it's just kind of a funny thing yeah and then um so like yeah the, so the buddy of mine he sent like the tarot readings and we looked those cards up but then neil decided to pull a tarot reading for himself but at that time he was like oh he, and he was thinking about how, like his friend and he's like 
if he, he's like, well, AI and like computers and stuff are like demonic and evil, and he's like, and if tarot is like demonic and evil, if I pull tarot like online, is that like good? He, he was like, is that okay? Or like, would that be like double demonic and evil? <laughs> double. And then so then he pulled pulled the card, and then the the tarot card that he got was like the devil, and we were just like laughing. <laughs> we were like, I mean, I guess that pretty much answers our question. Well, it's kind of it's even kind of funny to call that stuff uh, demonic because I mean, demonic as in it deals with the space that demons operate in. I suppose. I, I always the only thing that always bugs me about the demonic and satanic panic is that it, there's always this kind of they ignore any idea that there could be positive or neutral forces in that space. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was telling Neil was like I I don't know if like pulling tarot on a website is like you know like less or more, you know, bad or whatever, whatever that means. But but I was saying that I think that like a lot of what turns people off about tarot is like that that for a lot of people it's like a form of divination and a way to like interact with like a spirit realm of some sort. Mm -hmm. And I, my argument was that the spirit realm is like neutral and like both good and bad, evil or whatever things operate within that space. So I, so I was think, saying that like probably depending on whatever your proclivities are, like whatever's on your mind or whatever, like whatever's in your environment, like that type of stuff could probably influence the types of responses you get when pulling tarot cards or whatever so, so i think like for people who are like afraid of demons i'm like yeah you demons probably can communicate with you through tarot but then like i guess like angels or something like that could too it depends and it's kind of a cultural thing too because i think most of the people that have that fear of that world it's they either come from a, a culture slash religion where you know the the main teaching is just stay away from it you know just keep your head down and you know we have people to deal with those things if they come up or they get you know a lot of scare stories about it they uh spiritual stuff is used to keep people in line in some some places but um that's a, i i kind of yeah, yeah. I, that's why I kind of think um, I, whatever people call demonic, you know, it's like electricity, you know, it's like a more subtle form of electricity, you know, spiritual energy. Yeah, I think people fear what they can't understand just uh, with the whole tarot thing. It's it's more like putting your attention out there. It, what the medium and how you do that, I don't think matters as much. Mm -hmm. It's more like the action behind the things you're doing well have you uh yeah so have you heard much about like the story of tarot like what the what like the major cards kind of oh like the major arcana like the whole fool and the wizard and all that stuff yeah because it kind of, yeah because you know tarot oh, yeah. i always think of it as you know it's a tool you know for tuning into uh some kind of a wavelength or state where you can uh, kind of uh, decipher information from. And I think there's got to be some kind of like a built-in 
archetypal story that's kind of has oh, yeah, yeah. like kind of almost it's... like has I don't know what I'm thinking, but like has most possibilities built into it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a board game. Mm, yeah. That's what it is, right? So, and then like the fool would be like the hero's journey, right? And that's how the whole nobody thing ties into it. Where it's like, oh, you, uh, you're like the fool that matures uh, and goes through like the hero's journey somehow. And the whole the whole idea of spirituality is revolved around that. At the end of the day, is the hero's is the hero's journey. And um, understanding that you're basically the main character of your own story. If if not, then who is? You know. Who's and, the main character of your story? Like, yeah, and if there's honestly, no from your point of view, yeah, and if there's no story, then there's no nothing's happening. You know, there's no there's yeah no resolution. There's no um, understanding. Maybe it's like maybe it's like this advanced like software, right? The these tarot cards where it's or like chess, right? Where it's it's a type of game that's so ancient that it knows that when it interfaces with you, it gets a certain response. So, but it's yourself, so you're fooling with yourself because you think it's something out there, but in reality, it's it's really just your own mind. Like I said, uh, we're talking about like these like young archetypes and how the subconscious is like infinitely smarter than than your conscious mind by like a lot. So, if we find modalities to tap into the subconscious mind through various methods such as board games and card games, there might be a way to extract what's already in there. It's kind of like that idea that some people throw around that, you know, human life is uh, kind of similar throughout different ages. We all kind of go through not the same, but I mean, there's some kind of a human story that where we all just have different versions of. I mean, maybe well, yeah. Yeah. Like the whole hero's journey. Sure. And like every, every, like action movie stories, you know, like some guy, or I guess like lately, like there's a lot of, you know, movies with like female leads and stuff, but it's like, you know, usually some guy kind of a loner or whatever down on his luck gets some opportunity, goes through it, like becomes a superhero, basically like, you know, like the matrix. Uh, like it doesn't superhero. have to be that glamorous though. You know what I mean? I think it doesn't have to be that like glamorous. It's just knowing that even if you do something lame, or just very mundane, not lame, but like mundane. It's understand that it spills over into other things. It's not yeah, just oh, it's like you a, know. It's like a story that gets told over and over and over. Like that's you know a lot of our stories. Yeah, but we also have to understand that these archetypes is it's like that one game. Uh, have you ever played that game with a worm and it eats little worms and becomes a bigger worm? Is that that web like game? That? that snake? Yeah, eating? that web game. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Snake eating game. It's there like something yeah. I.O. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So the archetypes, I've always thought it can be something like that where you start off one archetype, meaning a little tiny snake, and then you could encompass, you could become a certain archetype and encompass other archetypes within you to move the hierarchy in a way. And this, like, if you think about it as this young, young, like, type of pantheon uh, type of structure that we're in, if, it, if, if you do see it as a top-down hierarchy then we would have like these cool like amalgamations of archetypes yeah like what yeah, we're, I think, yeah, yeah i think that that's like the like store like the way you learn about all this stuff is through stories usually so it's like movies or books or things that you see 
And we've all heard, you know, hundreds or thousands of stories, like, at this point, depending on your age or whatever. So, like, it would... I, when I see these movies, I think the point is, like, you're, the, the audience is supposed to relate with the main character. And so if, if you go with these, like, archetypes, the idea is that you relate with all these different archetypes over time because, like, you're... Like, the, the point is that they're all human and relatable. That's true. I was thinking about like a night guard, you know, a person who guards like a security guard. Like that's that job has been around for a while. So that is like an archetype, right? Like where some guy did that job a long time ago and he's like embodying that dude that did that job or those yeah. like millions of people. Yeah, who's who've done that job, you know, probably billions, you know, by now. So it it becomes a certain archetype in my my something like an archetype. I'm not sure if it becomes an archetype, but Maybe it's an umbrella or something, right? So, I mean, like, uh, th- think of like uh, Milkman, like that's an archetype, right? And so when you say yeah. Milkman, like people already get ideas in their head of like oh, what you know, uh, the Milkman coming to your, you know, your home and dropping off milk, or and there's like the jokes about like Milkman sleeping with people's wives <laughs> and stuff. But like, oh yeah, we don't have Milkman anymore, but people kind of get that, the, that story or that joke. Well, yeah, because there's a certain like storyline that goes built in with that archetype like the fool would be like oh you need to go on a journey now you're you're starting at ground zero in a sense yeah and that's appealing to a lot of people and that's that's why i think the nobody story is appealing and when people gravitate towards it and 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 talk still talk about it it's like a meme right that's like why are they still talking about it but it it is interesting because it, it is the meme it's like the the whole hero's journey thing is is all the best movies. The whole, you know, one day there's going to become a, there will be a savior is like, like the oldest lore in the freaking book. <laughs> That's why it's so powerful. No matter, it doesn't matter what way you skin it, you know, it, what uh, coat of paint you're going to put on it. And it's going to be the same story, like the same bones. And it's only different because it's incorporating like the internet and kind of what the current situation is and the kind of things that the quote-unquote schizos are talking about gets you know thrown in there and that's really the only reason why it gets kind of set apart from those older like hero myths yeah it just becomes an amalgamation of all these myths that jumbled up together and they're you're like wait a second they're just all the same myth then just different like incarnations of that same character it's like when you see somebody, it's like, oh, I swear I've seen you like at least a hundred times somewhere else. You know what I mean? Have you just seen like a character that you've seen before? Yeah, but do do you do you get worried about like homogenization like that? Like uh, like the difference of these characters is kind of like important to people. There's uh, viruses. I believe there's viruses. What do you What do you mean, virus? Like a like a you're talking about like an ego construct characters and like the whole ego construct of like society in general i would say like a virus would be like the the gangbangers in 92 you know and and in central america and that's still going on in poorer countries and it's like that same character like if you cut like a, a character creator you, you create that character and you like times and you times and thou- times a thousand and then you like spread them out throughout the land and stuff and it just keeps multiplying the same stupid character you know what I mean? Yeah, but oh yeah, like Trevor, I think like what you were saying is uh, 
what could happen when, you know, if we kind of find all these similarities and synchronicities yeah. between all these different myths and like the, all these different stories, if we do come to some point where we're like, well, this is all talking about the same thing. I think maybe that could be a point where for not, maybe not for everyone, but for some people that that's like a, a kind of a jumping off point to something different where you don't even, there's no need for those myths in some other stage of development, I guess. Yeah. Like, like people like stories because, you know, they resonate with like the characters or, or they, you know, they, they like watching the characters succeed or fail or come, you know, come to like dealing with odds or whatever. So, so when I'm, when you explain like the idea of a character that is all of the characters combined, like, I, I don't know. Do you, like, it, it seems no, like I, that like, diminishes the other characters. It sounds it's like not, the end. It's of not like the all their characters combined. It, it's, it's, it's like if you look at a hierarchy, right? If you if you look at a structure, if there's one top structure and one one being calling the shots of a top-down structure, and the higher you go in the hierarchy, the more like combined these archetypes gets. But his like the power that this being ha has is so great that it needs to be filtered in like different layers of glass, you know, like different sunglasses, you know, and it like a thousand million sunglasses, and each one is like a different reality, I guess. But oh. the thing about homogeny and all that stuff, it's not going to get boring because I don't think it will because I don't think there's a limited amount. I think there's an unlimited amount of experiences that can be had. You know, I don't, I don't think there's a limited amount of experiences. I think it's more unlimited in those, in those places, those mindscapes or whatever. So, yeah. I'm I'm following you. I I think it's getting really meta. So like, I don't want to <laughs> I, I don't want to go further because I think it's going to alienate people. I was thinking. I hope so. Yeah, well, yeah when you said that, this. I was like, I wonder if people can follow right now. Because <laughs> I I kind of yeah, we're going crazy. I kind of well you know because we we're kind of like um but well, well let me let me um kind of right there put, with you, Spectre. Don't worry. Well, let me put something to you guys. I think that we're I, talking about homogeny. I think that's what we're talking about. Oh, just go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was gonna say just uh. Like I was saying, the nobody stuff is kind of intertwined with, uh, like I said, people who use the internet to kind of play with ideas and uh, people whose, you know, the way their brains think is processing information differently. I think, you know, we all know people like that and we've interacted with them. And like I've seen a lot of people's uh, ramblings and rantings, you know, good or bad, but I always, I do find, you know, common threads where I can feel like there's a big group of people out there tuning into something. And that's what I think it is, is that new, some kind of a new archetype, which isn't really new. It's just a different version of what was before, you know, because we don't, uh, you know, we don't know what it was like to be in a world before the Buddha was a really uh, famous persona or name you know yeah actually, can i i want to explain something like the reason i asked that question because i could i guess it was kind of just out of left field but i was like i was thinking i was like is 
like the nobody meme globo homo like with you know like the global homogenization like mm-hmm. that that's kind of why i was going there so so when you, you were talking about like all these different characters and like their importance to people i was like well yeah like is that like is trying to condense everything down to you know to one character like but yeah but whose point of view are we talking about though because if you become an archetype what does that even feel like that's the question (laughs) well i don't know know. like is are you actually meant to fully become one or is it more just kind of a title and uh like um like some some kind of aim aiming point to shoot for yeah i thought they it's like, like role models or something yeah or yeah. embodying that energy it's all right let's say this like becoming an outline for something or a mold for something because the energy is already out there because the energy in my opinion is already is infinite because it's coming down and it's, there's the world you know it's like infinite energy so it's like if you become a mold for something you're gonna capture that light it's just becoming the battery for that certain thing yeah or becoming the most of that thing. Like in religion, we have like remembrance where, you know, we'll say, yeah, it depends on different religions, right? So different religions will be like the most merciful. So what is the most merciful look like? What can a person, what can the most merciful person on earth feel like? You know, so you ask yourself, you don't ask yourself these questions, but you start embodying, you know, the more you remember these qualities because if you think of archetypes or qualities, the more qualities that you have, the more you become like the one who made those qualities. Mm-hmm. So that's really what the goal is. You know, it's not about becoming, it's about becoming more. I, I think that if there is an awesome being that made us in his image, I don't think we're meant to just stay the way we're, we are. You know, I think it's a puzzle that, me- that needs to be solved. But are we talking about archetypes now or just virtues in general? They're the same thing. Well, to me, I would fit. Are they? Because I would imagine an archetype, especially if we're talking about the story of people's lives and the roles they inhabit, has more to do with like greater pictures and you know greater narratives of how life plays out, how societies function, and how our stories work. Whereas like virtues are more just um, aspirational qualities, singular of them, like in and of themselves. I don't think mercy would be the same thing as or really all that comparable to something like the story of the night guard or the milkman i think they those are like two different two very no, no, different no. we're we're, we're t- virtues but i talk about virtues they're like roots right yeah. they're like they're what like uh, the seven they're there's seven yeah that's where they were kind of a more so simple like archetype then so in the random number yeah. gener like like uh when those character creators you're gonna have a certain number of points to assign and so then you'll have virtue points so what virtue points you're embodying that's the question that's where i think that uh virtues and sins as well like we could all fit in those categories because they're like parent categories to other categories they're like umbrella terms that we're all under do do you so, uh, Spectre? Do you do you act? Do you think about virtues like in your day to day life? Because I was thinking to myself, I don't. I mean, not to say I'm a immoral person or anything, but I don't really. I find I don't really think too much about um, like uh, the words 
you know, like I, I think I, I kind of tried to go by a gut feeling most of the time. I think uh, you mean... all the time in those specific categories for sure. Yeah. I do too. Like I'm thinking like if, if I'm dealing with like, um, like when I was in high school, I worked, I had a job where I like worked with like mentally disabled kids or like developmentally disabled kids. Mm. And I, there would be times where like they would do things or they would act in ways that would like, you know, they'd obviously be like frustrating or you know, or whatever. And I'd have to like think into my head the word like patience, like out loud or like, or not out loud, but like I have to think that word because I'm like, remember, like be patient. Like, like, you know, they're dealing with different shit than you are. So like be understanding of that and stuff. Yeah. Uh, now that you I know, think about th it. Oh, go ahead. Oh, um, I was going to say one of the things I've been thinking about very recently when it comes to the topics of virtues i love virtues and virtue ethics um are a huge inspiration for me in my thinking and one thing i've been starting to play with more in my head is the idea that we have uh, objects of like or ideas of virtues and vices and exactly like how we embody one or the other and one of the big things virtue ethics talks about is that um not even necessarily that virtues and vices uh exist separate of themselves, they exist um, as sort of opposite ends of a spectrum within each other, somewhere between like cautiousness and fearfulness, for example, or something like that, or bravery and like uh, stupidity or something like, I don't know what the word would be, but, or, or recklessness, bravery and recklessness, I think is one of the good ones. Hmm. And one thing I've been wondering, because uh, virtue ethics really wants you to try and exists sort of in a harmony in balance where you aren't you know embodying so much bravery you're actually becoming reckless or you're embodying so much cautiousness you're actually just becoming fearful and unable to function but one thing i've been playing around in my head is i think a lot about personality traits and i guess archetypes of people outside of like roles in society but just like the kind of people people are are you like aggressive are you passive are you nice are you manipulative are you honest you know things like that i want and there's a lot of frustrations we all have with people and people in our lives and nobody's perfect whatever whatever but one thing i've been starting to play about in my head is um you know, are our virtues, are our positive things that we try to embody, do they really exist in it, in them of themselves, or do they even exist in a way that we can balance against negative qualities? Or do we have to accept the fact that positive virtues, things we want to pursue and aspire to, always come with the bad qualities? And the reasons we can never be perfect are because the things that make us good also come with their own drawbacks that aren't something we can reconcile, but have to sort of be observed and worked around forever if that makes sense i i think that's kind of like calling to a fundamental duality that's in experience because like if we take one virtue like let's say empathy if the, if you if you lived in an existence where there was no unempathetic people would you be able to you know conceptualize that or would it really exist because uh, one thing that I was kind of thinking about when we were talking about these is uh, virtue for the most part seems to be tied into spirituality at least on some kind of basic level and so I'm thinking if if like do are the I'm just spitballing but 
when if we see examples of you know people that are really do evil things or people who spend their lives doing you know the opposite of what you know the kind of the classic virtues we know about could it be that they're people that didn't take on any of that software we were talking about the the good programming of having some kind of um some kind of direction and a spiritual leaning and instead get uh filled with software that the goal is only uh consumption or etc i don't know i'm just rambling yeah well i think what i'm what i'm trying to say is i feel like when we like not even necessarily about like um how we live in the fundamentals of our our societies or even in their dualities i'm not i'm thinking more about just I guess in a way of a cost benefit thinking about that. I think there's certain ways what I've been thinking about in my head is I think there's many ways to be no matter what type of way you want to be, I think it's almost unavoidable that whatever thing you aspire to comes with a bad trait to it. And I don't think there's any way to escape that. And I don't really know how much there's a way to balance or change that. You know, I've been thinking a lot about how um in my life, like growing up, I've always been like a very aggressive, assertive person who's like not afraid to be honest, not afraid to say what's on my mind, not afraid to do whatever thing. And along with that growing up, one thing I had to learn was how to like uh, sort of uh, temper myself and how to like hold my tongue more so that I don't go around like saying things to people that they that, you know, to me, I think are the truth and maybe are true. And well, are definitely true. I don't just say like horrible things, but uh, you know, are too difficult for weaker people to hear. And what I've also found in that, in my attempts to do that, is it's it's not that I've like found a balance necessarily on like when to hold my tongue, when to be like kinder, whatever, or like more patient with people. I've ended up just becoming. I've just lost the virtues of my like convictions and of my integrity and of my honesty because i now i'm spending so much time like holding back and evaluating whether people are you know i'm trying to be more cautious and understanding and oh if i say this thing am i going to upset this person too much whereas before you know i've i've said things when i i shouldn't have mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if if it's possible to reconcile these differences between our traits whether you're whether you're like assertive or strident or honest or whether you're cautious or whether you're kind. I mean, kind people trying to be tough that I've seen in my life has gone horribly for them too. <laughs> so I'm like, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like some people are just they're soft, soft. and, and they soft. shouldn't try. They shouldn't try and be tough. So there's a so there's a default mode here. Um, so we're talking about virtues, right? Yeah. Virtues. We're the opposite of that. We are not virtuous at all. I don't know if you've seen people or talked to people. Maybe there's there's a kind person here and there. But for the most part, it's out of their own self-interest. So we, we always have to figure out that <sighs> virtue is like trying to find like a diamond or something in a freaking haystack or a needle in a fucking haystack. It's, it's, it's something you have to work at. It's hard. It's easy to be the opposite of, of virtue. That's the easy. It's easy because it's default. So obviously that's the way we are. We are not so great. I mean, I don't, as, a, as, I don't as humans. Know. I don't know right? if I agree. I think people mm -hmm. embody all kinds of virtues. I just I don't think anybody is perfectly virtuous in that they embody every good trait or every good thing. But I think most people have 
are really, you know, adept or have a very natural affinity to embodying at least one or two great traits about themselves. And what I'm wondering, though, is that, like, is our frustrations with people that we see in the different personality clashes we have, does that come from people, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Like, do the faults we have with people, are they also just something about people that we're going to have to accept because they're an inevitable, uh, an inseparable part of the good parts of people? Is essentially what I'm trying to like. Well, I mean, just look at nature, more. right? You're, you're talking, you're talking about balance. So if you look at nature, nature supposedly is perfect. So nature is perfect, right? And when I when I look at nature, I think, oh, it's you know, it's a it's a part of God that we could see, like the part of the manifestation of God that we're able to see or perceive, or grasp. But but when we see it, it's like, oh, we see a lion eat a, a gazelle, or we see a, a, you know, like murder or something crazy. I mean, is that good or bad in your opinion? But when you zoom out, it's perfect. It's the way it's supposed to be because there's a balance. So obviously, the truth would have to be balanced in order to know uh, what is bad. You would have to know what is good, and we don't even know what is good in this world. That, this is what I'm trying to say. I think we know what's good. I, I think. Disagree. Yeah, I. I don't know. I think that. I don't think anybody sits think... there reflects about virtues like he was saying initially. But... I don't think somebody sits there and says. Hmm, how could I lie less today? But I, I do or think just that's battling against yourself. That's why it's hard. Even like even though like for me like that's what like I think humans do have so I don't know if I I don't know exactly what to call it, but there's something like these virtues that are in humans that I think makes us different. I mean that's kind of an old school uh you know, hippy dippy thought, but like, you know, babies I mean, of course, there's evil babies here and there, but for the most part, they seem to have some kind of a sense of um, care and uh, the difference between being alone and around people and such. They turn people turn different when they're like uh, when you put them around groups like little toddlers, hmm. like they'll learn to lie and stuff. And then you can notice like, oh, they're becoming to become a person like. <laughs> Their ego is forming, you know what I mean? Yeah. But before then, it was just like, there. People, I think the kids were more open until like the world got in their way. Like you keep, I don't know where I heard this, where they're, they're saying that kids, they're more open to like spiritual sight or sounds because of this reason. Because mm -hmm. they're not dealing with this extra layer of stuff. Yeah. So. I was thinking about it's like a kind of going back a little bit but like on the subject of like no matter how virtuous we attempt to be like there's always some flawed aspect or like we fuck it up or like there's some something about our nature that like makes that really difficult to do and and like i guess not to get like super in the weeds on like religion but isn't that kind of like original sin like like there's there's a there's a there's something you could do which is just reciprocal altruism it's like a hack. Yeah, so it's like basically like you like we all suck, so like just try to be more understanding of that towards other people. But yeah, I basically. Think, I don't think everyone sucks. Like I don't know. I I feel bad that you guys. Like, <laughs> well, I feel bad about that. Honestly, I don't think people suck. I think like, like suck like like that. I, I, I'm being facetious. Like I, what right. what I mean is like we we're all not perfect. Like we like yeah. We, we fall but the world is not perfect either. Like, right. we don't live it's in right. a perfect place. Right, which is why, like, 
understanding this like we should yeah. just be more altruistic like towards each other like be more understanding like hey like it, we fuck up sometimes hmm. yeah i think one one thing that i'm always i think my greatest enemy that i'm always fighting in my head uh ideologically is like the is hobbesianism and the idea of people as like these horrible monsters or beasts that need to be managed or that the evil nature the dark truth people's dark nature is coming down on them <laughs> but i don't I don't know if I actually like. To me, I find that like idea so abhorrent. Um, since like I, I don't think people are. I don't think people are innately drawn towards doing dark things or, or innately evil or anything like that. Hmm. I think Have you ever got people... mad before? Hmm. Yeah. Have you ever got mad before? Sorry. Dick. Oh, many just... times. All the time. I'm mad all the time. <laughs> but did you? Did you feel you lost control when you were mad? Oh yeah, always. Just... But. It's like something got over you, right? That's like the old saying, something got over you. Mm, yeah, I What's guess. What's that thing that got over you? Oh, your emotions. Okay. But that could be seen in a lot of ways. That could be seen as, you know, uh, those monsters. You know, you just said maybe a little kid is more open right. to seeing I... those emotions and they might manifest in a sort of visual way, sort of like a synesthesia type mm. of deal, right? So that's what I'm saying is that to us, in one layer, it looks one way, but to a little kid, you know, when his parents are arguing with each other, it looks like two demons are fighting. What's what's the difference to a little kid? Right. That's what I mean. So there are demons we need to control, and they're within us. And I think that if we control the demons within us, it just it just you know goes and uh, throughout the the whole I don't know sphere. I guess. I think the more people understand this that they have a certain amount of control too because it's like imagine like a placid lake like a pond and people have rocks and you could throw little rocks or you could throw big ass boulders some people have boulders hmm. so we just have to understand that we're all like creating this together you know so yeah i, I always whenever we i get into these kind of discussions i always think there's a lot of um there's we spend we have to have to spend a lot of time with the labels you know the the words to describe things because you know when we're talking about um uh like i mean specter i know you didn't mean li like really super literally demons inside of people but you know we're kind of meaning like these um these i don't know if they're instincts maybe or I these did. maybe i didn't <laughs> <laughs> I, i've been playing around with the idea of synesthesia like really thinking about like you know how people could see sounds and stuff or mm -hmm. hear color or smell color and i think that there might be more to that uh ability there or somewhere some way to understand that more yeah yeah so we just haven't got there through science or whatever but i think it's related to synesthesia yeah, I could maybe. There I could, could be a, a way that a little kid could see emotions. I don't know. You know what I mean? It, it could be that. It could just be an overactive imagination, but it also could be that they're seeing just in a different mode. Hmm. Who's to say that we're fully evolved as a human species? Well, we're definitely you know, not. <laughs> we're still no, evolving, yeah. yeah. So it's it's one of those things where what's going to be the next thing? Are we going to be able to see people's emotions without seeing their face? Are we going to be able to do what? What's it going to look like, you know? Yeah, I, that's why I definitely, that's why I was talking about the idea of these uh, 
stories and archetypes may be having some kind of an end for some people, not in a bad way, but that because I, I definitely believe that humans, the way we are right now, even if we've existed in the same form for a long time, millions of years, maybe that w this is just one kind of, uh, you know, it's one f stop along the way in some kind of a process. Yeah, it could be some evolutionary type of... I like the Star Trek episode where the dude turns into like a light being. I think ultimately that's what it's going to become. A planet just becomes like beings full of light. You know, because they evolved to a certain state where they just shed their mortal coil and they became immortal in that way. Yeah. I guess if they were like, like, if they were beings of light, why would they... I guess I don't see why they would stay here. Like, you know, like... Palladians? You know, they would, they would, I mean, what they would do is they would feed you. Wouldn't you need, wouldn't they need a, a source of substance as well? Well, because like, if they were, I don't, if there's yeah, beings only, that feed off of bad ahead. emotions, <laughs> there, there might be beings that feed off of good emotions. Sorry, go ahead. I'm totally well, we're, I guess you, you were saying like light beings. So I'm assuming they're not like archons that are feeding off of people's like energy <laughs> and shit. But like, like the, I, I guess like if, 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 physicality doesn't matter to you that and then you can be anywhere then like why be here well like, that's like, what i'm saying is that being jaded. like like the like the whole ethos of, of not the ethos but the whole uh idea of the grays right being able to eat your emotions like your negative emotions like the hellraiser thing right where if you say anything bad like or, or give blood to the box it'll like drink it up and like drinking up all your like negative emotions, but there must be the opposite of that. There must be then beings that eat up good emotions. So every time you pray, like an angel, eat it up because it's like delicious to it because it's because it comes laced with a certain emotion. Wasn't that monsters know, ink like that. too? <laughs> Wasn't that movie yeah, monsters that's, ink? But that's, the what same I'm, but that's what I'm. But that's what I'm saying is that these. These streams, like these streams, they're they're happening all the time because they have to give the broadcast out. Like there's people decode in a certain way, but they're always they're always these archetypes are always reoccurring. They're the same damn archetypes, and they're the same storyline. You just have to sort of connect the dots and see that it has a throughput. But is that because of some metaphysical truism or something more related to the greater historical narrative of our species? No, I think it's more like. I think the concept of ether, you know, I think that's still, I think that that being cut from science is bad. And that's how we get certain vibes from other like grander dimensions that come down here and filter here. What and, do you uh, ether like? Like, is it like a, like is, cause some people describe it as like, like the base structure where like all matter exists on, or is like a, a communications network or like some type of spiritual medium like what, what the fuck is it what the the ether or the ether yeah like what is ether yeah i just i think i think it's the literal word i think it's an energy substrate that connects everything together like a glue like some kind and of i more, think it just connects like a more it's subtle a substrate version. yeah or, yeah like a very subtle like more subtle than atoms and it's just like a going through permeating through everything like an energy that permeates through everything like you know it like doesn't so matter what dimension you're on if it's a, if it's a bigger dimension or even a bigger one after that 
that energy is still going to be the same. So it's like, it's like a coat hanger, right? And there's like a coat rack and it's to be like, this will be like the coat rack where all the coat hangers hang on and the coats are hung up on. So it's super meta. It's just like the, it's like the bones of it. It's like a, like a wire mesh frame made out of ethers supporting your body in reality or something. I think so. Like, I think there was some sort of wireframe thing. <clears throat> have you seen that thing before? Like, I don't know. Have you there seen has to be something like that, right? Have you seen oh, seen ether before? Uh, I was uh, not to totally uh, derail the conversation, but there was something that I remembered I wanted to bring up uh, with you guys. Oh, and uh, I gotta let my dog out soon, so if I get up, don't mind. I'm just I'll be right back. But uh, you know, um, this is kind of there's two different things, but uh, with reincarnation, kind of uh, ties into what we're talking about with um, you know the stories of you know, people's lives. And one of the things that I kind of, I've kind of noticed that I think some people have an issue with the idea of reincarnation is that, uh, so much of the way that we live our lives is a little bit dependent on the idea that you only have to do it once or that the things in your life are kind of supremely important to you and your identity. And I think something I don't really hear too many people bring up is the idea that reincarnation kind of is at odds with whatever identity, you know, you have in your, in your worldly life. I don't think it has to be like, no. if, like I personally believe in reincarnation. And I think that like, like the reason that archetypes resonate with people is because they were things that you did in like past lives. And so, and, and, and I think that that, that, like that level of familiarity that you get from experiencing like stories that display archetypes is like a synchronicity type of thing and, and i think that that's why that matters like it, hmm. like that's why we care about art and entertainment and stuff like that because because may, maybe like we're learning something about ourselves or we're remembering something about ourselves with some of these mediums i don't know maybe that's too woo woo but well like, i i kind of i do yeah i like the idea that there's something there's some kind of i don't know like identity or there's a self that's moving through those experiences that it's not like it's not just uh you getting thrown back into the play-doh pile and reformed into something else but it's that it's uh you're something going on a trip through these different experiences I think a lot of people also view their consciousness or their self as like this immortal being oftentimes, especially when it comes to envisioning anything sort of like spiritual or what the afterlife might look like. Most people, I think, especially from like, I don't know, in the West where we live, uh, you know, the tale we're told is when you die, if you're good, you go to heaven for eternity, or if you're bad, you go to hell for eternity. But either way, you're you for eternity. And reincarnation obliterates that idea. It's it's like fundamentally unacceptable, in a way that's like not even I think explicit to people. That's just presumed. Yeah, a lot of people think like reincarnation's bleak because it's like there's for some people they see that as like there's no good deal. Like no matter what you do, you just have to do this shit over. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, and I guess I, I don't know. I don't feel that way because like I feel like that there's always opportunity to like improve and like learn. And I think that 
that like reincarnating is like me no different than like playing a level on a game again i know that like that's like fucking soy and nerdy but it's just like i still get enjoyment out of playing video games over and over um and maybe I, i'm a I, because i believe in reincarnation i feel like i'm here because i liked it the last time or maybe i needed to learn something like that i didn't learn last time that's possible and there is mystic traditions that kind of point to some kind of a way to end, you know, the cycle of reincarnation. So, um, because I believe in it too. And, uh, I, I also believe that maybe if people were so inclined, there might be, a some kind of, a a door out to, some, you know, to something. Yeah, I know, like, it doesn't vibe with, like, Christianity a whole lot, because I think, like, the idea is, like, if you live a good life, like, following, like, uh, Christ, then, like, you don't, like, you wouldn't, like, you you win, basically, mm. like, you don't need to reincarnate, like, you get out of it, like, they talk about that in, like, Gnosticism and stuff, too, and you see, like, memes on the internet of, like, the Earth prison planet, like, mm -hmm. get me out of here, um, so I, I, yeah, I see, like, a lot of people don't like that idea, but yeah. it, it, you know it's, a, it's out there. I always thought about like this whole thing about doing good and then doing bad. Either good, you go to heaven; you're bad, you go to hell. It always struck me as a gas thing, you know, where we have a finite amount of resources to get to point A to point B. You know, so then how do we get that gas? Are we in this game of like energy? You know, like. If I'm a good person, do I get more energy or gas? How does this work? You know, this uh, is what I'm trying to find out. But people have like concepts ahead. of like things being like spiritual, spiritually fulfilling. So I think that that could be like a gassing up for a lot of people, like you know, doing yeah, yeah, like something as simple as a smile or yeah, or a friend or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's certain stuff that you feel like has certain quality of energy to it, and you feel a certain way when you go through it. You know, it's like, uh, for example, graduating. You graduate, you, you feel a certain way. And I don't think you can replicate that feeling. But that's the thing is that we sort of, like, reclaim this energy. Like, we're, in, in spirituality, like, all these, a lot of traditions, what they try to do is sacrifice parts of the ego that are not useful to that person. Mm -hmm. um, so you sacrifice this, and it's a way of gaining energy. It's like a level up. Like, okay, I'll sacrifice this part of me. And then this core part of me, the fire, it's like a log, like like putting a, a log in a fire. Like if you put a log in a fire, the fire is going to get bigger. So that's what basically what we're doing. We're playing this like energy exchange game. And we're also sacrificing parts of ourselves to become more. Anyways, this is a really weird <laughs> no, rant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, before I Hang get up to go let out my dog, I was going to... Uh, throw in this too that in some like yogic traditions how they describe that uh, end of the cycle uh, you know like how you're saying there's some you know in Christianity there's some kind of heaven Gnosticism has some kind of escape from a false you know imprisonment in some kind of a reality uh, but in some yogic traditions they describe it more as a a process of realization of kind of a, a direct experience of like teachers telling them, you know, it, the, the end of reincarnation is 
mainly uh, kind of the realization that there's not anything to escape out of and that, you know, yeah, that there's that there is no, you know, that you are just, you know, one facet of this, you know, this infinite prism that's, you know, using consciousness to experience this kaleidoscope of things and um, that it's a process of kind of losing the idea of either being, you know, in bondage in a reality or being released from it, that you just kind of let those two things go and you can still uh, exist in a life and, you know. Yeah, I think about a good a good happy medium would be able to to simultaneously realize that that prism in a totality in its total form, being able to just I don't know, just realize, just come to that realization that taking I think would be awesome, but still you know having your cake you know and eating it too where. You could still be on this level. You could still do what you're doing. You know, it still doesn't change anything here, but you just have that extra realization that there is a totality to things. Be right back. I think uh, that concept comes up in a lot of a lot of different spiritualities and religions. That like like enlightenment or like nirvana. It kind of seems to be aware of like the state of weirdness and then like kind of a certain level of comfort with it and yeah and, it's like a secret like a secret far away freedom. yeah i think gnosis is like that you know too like it you know it's a very common theme just be just being aware of the nature of things yeah it makes sense for people whose goal or what they seem preoccupied with is trying to understand what's going on in the world or all the unexplainable things of the world that to them one of the ultimate achievements one could achieve is just knowing what's happening when i think of it that way then i'm like man is that is that just is like gnosis just like an extreme form of autism where you're just like really hyper focused on like what reality is all right i mean probably honestly yeah. Like it probably is. If you were in a construct, wouldn't you want to know why you were in that construct? I that that's like I would, but like I admit that I'm like one of those like like I'm kind of autistic. Like I want to know how everything works and break it down to yeah. like like smallest components. But like for but like I know that most people don't give a shit about that. And mm -hmm. some and like if you were like in a construct, you might just want to like enjoy it you know yeah that's why like the spiritual realm what it does where it like it like messes with you where it'll show you a little bit just to get you hooked in to try to understand and unravel its mystery but the thing is that it's it, your realms thirst trapping yeah the thing is that that it's it, once you start like actually doing the practice like doing certain practices or thinking certain ways like it'll it'll happen in your own life where you, where you certain where you start looking through things through certain glasses or prisms and things change and you're like oh this is sort of like a lab in itself you know the reality itself is a lab but um where was i getting with this 
um oh yeah once you once you understand like what once you get like one mind like i don't know just imagine getting your mind blown but then like a couple weeks later then getting your mind blown again and then like a month later getting your mind blown again maybe a year passes by then you get your mind blown but still if there is a throughput you know there is a storyline and there is a uh conclusion obviously and you know when why you... is the why is the spirit world so thirsty for you to notice it like why you know you could i think it's a, I, I think it's i think it's a two-way street and i think it trumps everything too i mean if you notice so it's like imagine if you go to uh you've been watching vhs like your whole life and then you just pop on uh an ultra 4k movie yeah you can't go back to watching the fucking vhs so once you've had a taste, you can't really, you can never go back. You can't really regress once you understand that there's more, <laughs> and it's like ultra HD and ultra, it's just ultra everything. And I, I think you know, too, it's like it, more colors, like ultra everything. Yeah, it's like. And I think you know right? most uh, spiritual traditions, you know, point towards understanding that construct you're in better. And you know, if I, I always like talking about you know, reality, you know, equating it to a dream. And I think maybe that pull towards spiritual thinking is maybe like, you know, almost like a, like hints, hints that like what you're experiencing is a little bit more than, you know, what you're usually thinking about. Because when we're talking, when you, I can't remember who said about enjoying the construct and that some people are kind of, content with the enjoyment but i think if you have a deeper understanding of what you're experiencing it might be easier to enjoy it and would kind of level out and ease the pain of some of the harsher experiences in that construct as opposed to if you just had no idea what you were in yeah it's like who's to know that you're not like substance for a different species you know, what, what is that? You always think about like these sci-fi endings of what it can be ultimately, you know, a lot of people I was, I was following this thread where this guy was saying that we're ultimately food for archons and like these parasitic aliens. And I was like, that can't be it, you know, <laughs> but how we, how the hell would we know? You know what I mean? We wouldn't know, but because to us, we're like so unevolved, it's, it's ridiculous these things this makes me curious about like the spirituality of cows like assuming they have one like mm. what do they think is going on exactly that's 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 my point is that we have to know what construct you're in in order to zoom out and understand what the bigger picture is what's actually going on yeah. wouldn't that be the most important thing to, to know i mean I, that's what i would think yeah and i don't that's really shitty i don't want to know about <laughs> exactly though yeah that would... <laughs> Well, yeah, it's like, like if I'm the cow in this fucking simulation. Like, uh, just like you know, <laughs> don't fucking tell me. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, give me no. give me video games and football. Like, don't tell me about this shit. It's like everyone <laughs> everyone wants to be Neo, but no one wants to wake up in the pod and <laughs> pull the tubes out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's that anymore, though. I don't think that there is these parasitic alien things. I used to think, think that for were. a long ass fucking time, dude. I used to think that a long time. Yeah. I was like, man, it's like, how do these people not know that there's like this extra layer of reality that these things are residing on 
And they're controlling us by fucking toothpaste and fucking mouthwash and shit. What the hell? I think yeah. because, the, like, the cope that, like, philosophers have to have is, like, the, the reason that reality sucks sometimes is because, like, a mean person made it. Like, I think that's really all it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think a yeah. lot of the reason why we're really... Well, not to get too deep into what I believe, but I think a lot of the reason why we have, like, problems at all in the world is just because we live in an imperfect world and we live in an imperfect place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, regardless of whether there's some greater construct or not, I don't know. I feel like we have seen evidence that incredibly pleasant and fulfilling lives are possible on this planet. And I think all we str struggle against, truly, is the fact that we haven't been able to find a way to provide that for everyone and i don't just mean in materialist terms i mean like in sense of community family fulfillment all those things i think i've met plenty of people who have achieved those things and i don't think it's impossible for us to solve those problems and i would have to then question like sort of the point of questions about you know what is the bigger picture what is the point of the what construct are we in if we were to instead realize that actually even in our imperfect world we have perfectly worthy and incredible lives we can build for people and we can build for ourselves right that's what i was getting at with the like can't like can't, why don't we just stop being autistic and learn to enjoy the construct you know like mm -hmm. like uh, obviously like there's like different obstacles for different people um for all kinds of all kinds of reasons but like but yeah like, you know like people can lead extremely simple lives that, you know, that don't have a whole lot of, like, panache to them, but, like, you know, still fulfilling, like, you still get not even community engagement. Simple. Like... And I, I, not even necessarily simple. You can still ask these questions, but it's obvious to me that if you have, like, good connections to your families and friends, and I mean, always bad things are going to happen in the world. There's always going to be natural disasters. We're always going to have made an error. But I think there's a lot of capacity that unfortunately remains untapped for, you know, perfectly worthy and good lives and and not perfect, but I think about as damn near perfect that we should expect or accept. I think there's a lot of errors in judgment that people make about, um, you know, what perfection is as, th as if that was even a knowable quantity in anything. And about what exactly it is we should be, you know, seeking out of life. And I think there's so, so many different things you could take that, that I'm not even going to bother to try. But I feel right. like there's, there's a lot of, um, I feel like there's a lot of oversight. I, I think people are getting, I think people are getting overwhelmed facing the, the existential abyss of the void. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so all of the things we don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I. So when I said simple, I didn't mean that to downplay like any type of lifestyle. What, what I meant to say was like that people can have like extremely fulfilling lives without like extravagance. You know, like things don't have to be like fantastic to be good. Like, like it, you can find meaning and enjoyment in anything. It's just like kind of perspective. But um, yeah. Yeah, that's basically all I had. Yeah, but, I... but is are people like that though? People are not like that, dude. People once they I'll... once they get a lot of stuff, they want more stuff, right? Is, yeah, I, mean, I think people, people can get 
yeah, I think it's easy to get addicted to dopamine. Like, I think that, like, our yeah, society is supposed to produce that stuff. But, like, I think but, that perspective is also presuming a lot about, it's putting a lot of, like, observational um, faith into, like, human nature that I don't know if the grounds for that are really there. Well, I think but that's that we're talking about balance, right? How are you going to balance something without observing the thing you're balancing? Well, it's a perspective how can thing you, too. How can you make claims that people who, how can you make claims about people if we have never been able to see what human nature truly is in a vacuum? But we're talking about, there are archetypes that are reoccurring. That's what we were saying. We're talking about the base archetypes, how they reoccur within human and it's in within human nature but they're mostly skewing towards a lot of sins if you well, really if you really dissect it and and a lot of a lot of stuff about spirituality is about dissecting yourself and pressing that control alt delete and looking at yourself and, and understanding the running processes that you have within yourself to better understand what you can optimize well, I mean, that's the whole point is tweaking and optimizing but i i do think our own perspective you know, really plays a big part in what, especially I'll just say for me, like my concept of people I know is really influenced by my experiences and my particular path and things that I went through. Like I generally don't trust people and I try not to be pessimistic, but I, I stay away from people. I kind of avoid, you know, really, uh, you know, I kind of pick and choose where I connect with people. And I, I'm glad, like, I, I'm hearing uh, a more, um, I'm not, not optimistic, but I'm glad I'm hearing the, a more balanced <laughs> take. Because I get, I get kind of down about, like, the situation with people. And that's kind of my fault for maybe overindulging in information and uh, getting too lost in the weeds of, uh, worrying about everyone else, you know, whereas and I feel like focusing on my own little world and kind of doing more uh, firsthand things is kind of taking me out of that, that pessimism. I don't know. I I'm, think... like, I'm, like the, I'm like the guy who, who rides a motorcycle, right? And like, it's the reason why I don't ride motorcycles is not because I don't trust my riding skills or whatever. It's like, I don't trust the mom that has four kids in the back that has them screaming and she's like doing a million things in her van, you know, that's going to be like looking out for me. That's the thing that I don't, I know that in my own spiritual journey, I had to battle myself and I still do. And that's, a, that's something that's reoccurring. You have to say like, Hey, nobody's people could skip that part. I don't believe it. I don't think this whole thing where you just get saved by Jesus, like, oh, you can just skip that part. It's like, wait a second, you can't just skip that part. That's the whole freaking work. Okay, so you don't believe in any type of like uh, divine protection or anything? No, I believe in divine protection. I just, I just believe that there's a level of exertion that one has to strive for. One has to strive actively to build virtues. In order to even come to even know what bad is, because if you're not, if you don't know what good is, how the hell are you gonna know what bad is? I'm gonna know. So at least attempting it is a good idea, because I already know, like, oh, I don't have a natural inclination of lying, right? Sometimes when it's like, even like little stupid white lies, hmm. like I don't lie all the time. 
I knew that I battled a kid to like stop that. But then I had to like monitor myself, like actively monitor myself to make sure I stopped. Hmm. Or saying bad words is one of the things that I was like, all right, I'm 13 years old, I'm saying all these bad words. And it took me like a year to figure out how to not say bad words all the time. That's what I mean. It's actively modern music to become better is a good idea. I don't think that it's too hard, you know, to even try. Yeah, I well, I, I don't want to sound like I say this, but like I, you know, so like some people also think that like concepts like, like penance are useful. Like there are a lot of people who don't understand like what good is, but through like some type of like suffering or like punishment, like they've. Yeah, maybe been able to like reflect in a different way. Yeah, and I'm not saying like people should be punished. I'm just saying that like yeah. sometimes like you make a bad decision and then you get fucked up and then like you're like, huh, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. No, that's true. That's true. I mean, yeah, there's the concept of repentance, and if I mean, if it actually works, if you mean it, I guess. Yeah, I... but like you said, we. We're concentric circles, like we, we're always following the same. Like anywhere, anywhere you go, for example, like the concept of backbiting, like people talking shit about each other. Anywhere, like I've been to like Subway and I hear people talk shit about each other. I've been to different places and I just hear people. I'm like, dude, this is this is a reoccurring theme. This is something that people do. And is this bad or is this good? And the answer is bad because you're sending, sending negative vibes through everything. It's like, why are you going to do that? Why are you going to backbite? Mm. They're not here to hear it. You know, so. Right, but I think, I, I don't know if that's, I think that might also just be, I think that depends on who you are. Like, I don't think that's necessarily, I don't think people talking shit about their coworkers or whatever behind their back is necessarily a terrible thing a lot of times people are just letting out their emotions and there's not really any better Let, way to do that bingo bingo letting out your emotions what are emotions are energy so you're letting out negative energy to that person yeah but that's that's fine people complain to me about coworkers they don't like all the time and it doesn't really bother me i mean it's not my issue and i understand i think, it, I think it's, it's I think it depends on who you are like i think if you're someone like you you seem to be very sensitive to negative emotions and that's beautiful but I, I don't know if there's, like, it's going to be too productive to concern yourself about, like, these negative traits or these things that people do to each other because it's probably not affecting people in the same way that things are affecting you. No, that's not the thing. What I'm looking at is that people have they're, – they're doing the same thing over and over, and there is an overall system. I look at overall system. I'm a bigger picture type of person, so I'm looking – not how it's affecting me. Oh, that person doing backbite. I'm like, oh, I noticed that this is a pattern, you know. And if 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 there is an energy exchange game in this world, so this is another mode of thinking about the world. This is people exchanging energy, right? When they talk, and in some level, that's true. That's what we're doing. We're we're talking. We're feeling a certain way about each other, so we're exchanging energy, right? So that's what I'm saying is that people vent and you know give all this crap energy to people and it's like they have to realize that they're shitting in their own backyard like we're all connected yeah, in a I, sense if you believe in the concept of the hive mind yeah right I, but I, the I, reason i pulled this out of 
the negative like out of the greater system and back towards the individual is because i don't i don't agree with your claim that it's necessarily putting negative energy out there into the world or into people at all i think a lot of times people's sort of negative traits sort of uh, evaporates and doesn't actually affect too much at all and a lot of other people no i understand but then that depends on your own lens you know how much exactly well, yeah it, it, stuff. And if you've actually if you've actually seen if you've actually seen energy or understand how it works or understand it works with emotion and you know know that there are different colors of it different grades of it and just different different modes it's like looking at x-ray so if you look at x-ray it's a it's a mode of looking at something right there's different lenses which you can look at things through mm. And this would be one of them, would be just the energy of people, what they give off or uh, how they act throughout the day. Well, you know. So uh, that's, that's all I'm saying is that people output a certain amount of energy a certain way. Well, so what is more beneficial to output it one way or another way? You know, when, uh, when we were talking earlier about kind of uh, accepting and dealing with kind of the darker sides of people, uh, it's kind of a question of, you know, that energy that you put out, can you vent that energy without, like you said, kind of making some kind of impact on the, the greater framework. And, you know, I'm someone who I'm not really, uh, I'm not totally, uh, in control person all the time. I'm doing a lot better these days, but, you know, I've had moments where I've had outbursts or I, you know, let out negative energy and, I, you know, I, I just kind of feel like that's, um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of trying to agree with both of you just cause you're both like jogging my mind in different directions where I'm thinking, I think it's, it's natural for there to be these, these bursts of an energy that isn't always nice. And, uh, I think it, yeah. We go full circle with the repentance you asked right now where can I blow off this steam? Well, who could I give this energy to? Who could I vent to? Hmm. And I would say that's repentance. That's when you go and repent because that's the only, that's where you give your energy to, to purify it in some way. That's what I would say. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's... Uh, so the question was... Oh, yeah? Sorry, I said that the, the answer is in the question itself. Well, I got a I got a little uh, question that I think is good for for you guys are a good group for this. Uh, I was kind of you know during the week in between podcasts, if I see something interesting, I just make a note of it. And I don't really read like I'm not I don't really read articles that much anymore. You know, I'll check headlines just just to kind of see what's been going on. And something that I saw popping up uh, was uh, like government-assisted suicide. There was a, there was some kind of an article that was uh, some kind of opinion piece where someone was claiming that uh, there was these cases where people who were in like bad shape financially or had medical issues that they couldn't get help for or something that they were offered suicide or such like that or there was a a military person who got offered suicide because of mental health issues. And do you guys think that's uh, like, why do you guys have any like thoughts on why that's a 
topic coming up right now. Yeah, um, it's because you're you are a burden to the government <laughs> if you are not productive. Like, like that's just, and I, I, I'm not saying this like I believe this. Like, this is how the government views you. So, like, if if you're not generating capital or like revenue for the government or a corporation or whatever, uh, and you're just like sad or miserable, then like, you know, you're a liability. Someone has to take care of you, and the government doesn't doesn't want you to be a liability. And so, like, they're offering suicide because it's cheaper to kill you than it is to, you know, put you through like a, a therapy program for years or whatever. And I, and I think, obviously this is fucking horrifying, but it's like really blackpilling for, I think, a lot of people. There's a, a lot of um, very, very complex and very difficult concepts that come up. I think a lot of times we don't necessarily know exactly where this sudden jump in, um, you know, uh, well, I guess not this jump. I mean, this has been going on for years. I remember when I was like, studying bioethics it was around the time uh i live in canada when mm -hmm. our country was legal where supreme court was legalizing uh government like assisted suicide and so our teacher was like that was the big conversation that year and i think there's like there's not just the government being a liability there's all sorts of other concepts that we need to explore too such as eugenics which is um has a massive history in my home country and the fact is not only necessarily people that aren't productive, but also people who just aren't going to fit in. People who have mental health issues, who have all these problems, those are not people, you know, and from a eugenics perspective, that you even want in society to begin with. And I think, I think one of the things that's really, um, really complex about government assisted suicide is the fact that like you know it's presented to us as this thing oh you have stage four terminal illness that's horrible your body's going to degenerate you have this disease and you know you're you have been served this death sentence from the medical establishments anyways and i mean <laughs> you have been i mean there's plenty or you know in the case these people have been a lot of people we see the stories of someone who's dying and they're atrophy and they're sad and it's, and it's a peaceful way for them to go that's fine but what's wrapped up in all of this that never gets discussed is the fact that there's so, so, so many other factors to life itself. And what's not being discussed is the fact that there is a massive holistic, um, you, know, you know, there's a big, massive holistic like perspective on assisted suicide that just, that isn't ever going to be, uh, understood if we only look at it through the lens of medicine and people with illnesses dying because there's there's a lot of other reasons why people live and a lot of re other reasons why people die <laughs> and all of those reasons could compel someone to try and commit suicide like you see this common one that was pernicious as deeply pernicious and was warned about many times with um people in financial situations i mean i don't think i've ever heard of that being talked about when that when it was being legalized i'm mm -hmm. not even too sure anyone was aware of it in you know the classes i was taking or in the spaces i was taught like learning in that you know hey if someone's poor it might be easier for them to kill themselves <laughs> than try and get out of poverty uh, yeah. you know like i mean it's it's deeply horrific but it's, it's such an obvious conclusion that sh should have been seen and I'm sure was seen by many people, but unfortunately, or well, yeah, unfortunately wasn't seen and probably for reasons that, 
you know, maybe darker than we want to know. I think a lot of people didn't, like, when they heard about it, like, they just thought it, like, they're like, haha, that's funny, you know? Like, silly government doing something, but, like, I don't think people, like, really understood, like, the types of scenarios where, like, suicide would be the recommendation, you know, from these entities. What do you think about eugenics in general? Um, just, like, abortion and stuff like that. Do you think it's related to abortion at all? Do I think eugenics is related to abortion? Yes. Uh, I think eugenics... I think eugenics is a much larger concept and is a... It's a... it's you know it's a it's its own ideology you know and that, i think uh, abortion a lot of... is a tool or can be i think abortion can be a tool of eugenics same with assisted suicide in canada we had a long history in the 60s of sterilization um that was also part of our history of you know for of other projects that were also eugenicists and i think i think eugenics in general is an ideological is a, is a whole ideology unto itself. I do remember. Yeah, that, I don't agree with eugenics at all because it, it, it assumes that there's like a moral authority in all this that can say yes or no so you can live or die. Well, you know, that's what? a human. And I'm all like, uh, no. I don't even think a person has that authority to kill themselves if they do. Yeah. Uh, it, presumes, yeah. it presumes there's a perfection and perfection is never knowable. But eugenicists yeah. believe they know perfection and no. that's why they make all the mistakes they make. It's kind of like an intellectualization of, you know, human uh, evolution and believing that you can know enough about it to guide it in some direction. Uh, or or at the worst, it's a horribly vulgar, you know, I think some eugenicists are incredibly vulgar people who don't really care whether it's perfect or not. They want people to be a certain way because they like it that way. Mm -hmm. And they they will do whatever they want to shape it that way you know did you, i think did you guys did you guys see abortion like the whole thing with, with uh was it amanda singer is actually a, a eugenist like the person who invent who uh funded the abortion Planned clinics Parenthood. Uh, yeah from Planned yeah Parenthood. yeah i think i remember and that. then like just correlating that stuff like with all like a lot of these abortion clinics being in the ghetto you know there's yeah. abortion clinics in the ghetto to kill Blacks and Hispanics, you see, then you go correlate the numbers, you're like, dude, they're mostly killing Blacks and Hispanics in ghettos. It's like, uh, they should probably wake up and realize that this is, uh, they're killing you perfectly. Yeah, and but, it's, yeah. Why, it's why I, despite being a, like a pro-choice atheist, liberal leftist, or, well, leftist type of person in my youth was still always, you know, very skeptical of abortion, because we, you know, I'm pretty sure... Most people with any kind of awareness have always known, you know, how abortion is a tool of eugenics. And mm -hmm. that, and unfortunately, I think that's a much, I think eugenics is a much more terrifying and much deeper battle in our society than I think anyone's even aware of. I try to bring... Most people don't yeah. believe that anyone's capable of, like, enacting anything. Like, like, if you talk about, like, population control or eugenics type of stuff... Like, you're immediately labeled as a conspiracy theorist. And, like, and I get it because it seems like a fringe idea, but, like, the the reality is, is, like, someone is paying for these clinics and, like, mm -hmm. for some reason. 
Yeah. Or you can only you can only talk about them on the levels of like, oh, it's because of racism and white supremacy and all these things. And it's true. It is like absolutely the reason why, you know, you look at those numbers. Yeah. Abortion clinics. Abortion is suggested for black and Hispanic women and indigenous women in Canada at rates like, you know, way higher, higher than yeah. way than like than white women in our societies. But there's the and uh, you know, it's disgusting and it's horrible. And, you know, I, I think people get to the race point for and then they like they stop, stop thinking. Though. Yeah, they stop. Yeah, but like, there's there's bigger. There's a so much bigger like implications and meanings behind like, you know, racism and white supremacy. Whatever are are honestly a smaller part of you know eugenics. Bro, when we go to when we go to do some deduction to see like why uh, abortion was was stopped. And you just see the numbers because the numbers are going down. There's less people now. There's not enough babies being born. So they stopped. But they're not going to tell people straight up like, hey, you know, we're we're actually uh, stopping uh, abortion here because uh, there's uh, the numbers are running low. Like a fucking company. They're going to tell people that. Yeah. But I was gonna, what I was going to tell you was that, uh, yeah, these – these guys are eugenics itself. Yeah, I don't know. I really. I, I get think weird people about have that the, sort of weird. Yeah. I get weird about like the transhumanist type of stuff for that same reason. Like, like, I, like, there's some balance, and I don't know where that is. Like, I wear glasses, for example. So, like, my eyes weren't good enough. I need artificial, you know, like enhancements to be able to see. And and. So I get that. Like, I, I get that, like, human intervention into, like, biology, like, can be useful, like, at times. But, you know, like, everybody's doing the CRISPR stuff, and people talk about, like, genetic engineering and, and like, cybernetics and stuff. And I I don't know. I don't want to be – I don't want to sound like a, like a Luddite, like I'm afraid of, like, technological advancements and, and progression and stuff, but, like – I just worry that it'll be we're gonna get to like Gattaca world where we just like where there's like different classes of people based on like their genetic you know perfection and stuff. I don't want to sound too conspiratorial, but you know, to me, when I look at the when I look at transhumanism and what I think is happening is you know I, I'm from a scientific perspective, and I I'll back this up. My little oh, what I'm about to say, oh, I can't believe, um, is that if you look at you know medical trials and the history of medicine, uh, it's this incredibly dark history of basically manipulating and tricking poor or vulnerable people. We'll just say vulnerable people into agreeing to um, participate in uh, test trials and scientific experiments that will have disastrous and incredibly hazardous effects on their minds and bodies, but will yield very useful information for the scientific project. Hmm. And what I feel about the transhumanist ideology and what seems to ring a lot in my own ears, but I'm very paranoid (laughs) and conspiratorial. And, you know, I see a lot of this transhumanist stuff. A lot of transhumanist people I meet are, you know, like, disabled or trans or you know like the everyday people you meet who might like transhumanism are are nerdy or they're outcasts or they're vulnerable in some way and Mm -hmm. transhumanist ideology always appeals to sort of this sort of 
solution to your insecurities or disabilities or your faults in a way that, you know, a lot of transhumanist people I meet day to day seem to really think like transhumanism is going to like fix their problems once and for all. And it's right. very Corporate convenient. Reason? It's very convenient that it, that it's phrased that way or that it's sold that way to people. When in reality, any pursuit of transhumanist, you know, perspective now would be massive, you know, untested, horribly pernicious, like experimentation upon the human life. Yeah, it would have to be built upon human lives. So what is the transhumanism? Is this like a computer in your head? Like you just access the internet? It's many. It's, it's like of different philosophies, but like basically yeah. the idea is that like, like biology and evolution like have brought us to this point and like they're kind of we can go further philosophies. like yeah we can go further due to science and technology and engineering and so the idea is like you know we can uh genetically engineer people with higher iqs so like people are smarter or like people who are healthier or don't gain weight and, and the end goal is to create like to artificially create like the perfect human like ubermensch type of thing but like the, the all of the corporations and companies and, and and like intellectual bodies like working on this the science behind this stuff are like the same types of uh culprits like that do like all kinds of horrible shit all around the world so it's like it, it's it's like obviously we want to improve as like a species but like when it's 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 like these like really sus like foundations and organizations that like want to do it <laughs> but isn't it countries though as well like there's different countries that have that technology already like, advanced because there's been, like, no, there think... isn't regulations to stop them from doing anything crazy well there's like like human cloning yeah. i think is like technically illegal but like CRISPR was developed recently so like somebody like maybe they didn't clone humans in the process but like the the technology to do this is available. I think people develop it by working with things that like aren't human, but like, uh, you know, obviously prove that it could work on humans. But obviously all tests that for the intended goal of discovering more about human life is so much more effective if you have actual humans to study it on. Right. And, and for things like uh, transhumanism from a scientific perspective, you know, this is the cutting edge of, you know, scientific research at the moment. And if you're going to do that cutting edge of scientific research, you're going to want the most high quality, you know, tools and equipment and research material to work on, which I think is people. And I think, I, oh, I'm getting so conspiratorial <laughs> again. No, 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 that's good. But I... I I think part of what's happening with transhumanism and the way it's being sold to people is essentially a type of recruitment into experimentation. And that's happened, that's the history of medicine itself, especially in the modern era. You know, so many drugs that we have nowadays, you know, there's, there's people who have developed long-term schizophrenia and trials they weren't properly warned about and these companies have paid nothing for it. You know what I mean? Because the legislation and the powers that we have as a society just can't keep up. And now I, I live in fear of, you know, what awaits people in the future. If, if, if people aren't going to wake up and see what's really happening, if, but then again, 
maybe I'm just crazy. <laughs> no, no, I, yeah. I feel Wait you. Wait a second, that, though. Even, Those packages are in different countries, though. That's you gotta understand that. I've, I've, I've talked to somebody that works with, like, with, uh, basically going to different countries and and uh, having their country sign up for trials for different experimental drugs, and it's part of a bigger package for that country because they get different countries get aid from the U.S. So they end up getting aid from that country, or whatever. For yeah, like a lot of drugs. a lot of like nonprofit organizations, like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, will like go to Africa and will offer, uh, you know, like fertility treatments for, or or, or like, the, like they'll tie like tie people's tubes or whatever, um, and they'll do it for free. And most people who've never had you know healthcare ever in their life will like sign up for that stuff, and you know they. They'll incorrectly translate things or they'll mislead people to get them into like signing up for all kinds of things. But like, this all comes down to just like these really rich, horrible people like exploiting or taking advantage of poor people so they can meet their ends, which is, you know, depopulation or, you know, eugenics. You know, and it's. How would. Does it take a lot of energy, a lot of energy to do that whole transhumanist thing? Because it's like, uh, all I'm thinking about is getting a new car. It's like when you get a new car, you're still the same driver. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like it depends on how they want to do it, right? Like there's like CRISPR is one technology where like I guess they can like modify like human genetics. And I don't know if this is like an in vitro thing that they have to do. Like I don't think that they can CRISPR a live living human right now. They're working they... on it. I studied yeah, I mean, genetics yeah. for that... in university and there there's there's ways of studying gene therapy now where they can essentially infect you with a virus that you know instead of what a virus usually does which is like infect all your cells and cause all these like organ ruptures and then you die instead yeah. it can get into your body and cause your cells it can infiltrate like your cells and and yeah. go to the genetic code because what cell what viruses do is they go into your cells and insert their own genetic code into your genes hmm. and then your body then that cell starts replicating the virus itself within itself so, so they found that viruses with the mRNA stuff. Yeah. So what they found is that viruses can also then be used to like that just get killed by the body once they're once they're done their job, but all they insert into somebody is like a code for a protein that helps you fight a virus. Or a code for a protein that will then replace your like Wait a you know, maybe though. you have like a fucked up like joint problem hmm. or something like get... that. If you get really, really fucking smart, right? Wouldn't you just be pissed at everybody else being so stupid? Or just <laughs> if you knew how to solve it, like problems in your head really fast, it's like you're like a mega mind or something crazy. Wouldn't it just piss you off that everybody would be slow? Well, I mean, I guess that's part of why the people who are kind of the proponents of like this transhumanist agenda tend to view themselves as like these sort of ubermensch, you know, like superior people. Like they're like. I'm smart and good and everybody's dumb and bad and we need to like we need to direct human evolution into a way so everybody is like me. Well and also <laughs> another thing I like to think about too or that I was talking about with the medical history, you know, or the history of medicine is that mm, these people have been getting away with it for decades upon decades for over 50 60 years now. Nothing stopped them then, why would they believe anything's going to stop them now? I think it's because like no state wants to spook like medical research. Like everybody wants, every nation wants to be at the forefront, forefront mm -hmm. of like medical research and stuff like that. So nobody's gonna like go sue Pfizer or 
like Bayer, or, you know, like these like pharmaceutical medical industry companies, because like what happens if you piss them off? You know, like you, you make them, they leave the country and they don't do their research and you don't get the best and baddest drugs, you know? Mm. So like they're going to try to keep all of these organizations that do all of this work like in good favor. Uh, well, I wanted to add to that, though, like, so that with the transhumanist thing and that, like, you know, people are, like, concerns about, like, where that could lead or who's in charge of, like, picking it. Like, one thing that I've been looking into is, like, bio, like, the biohacking community. And so, like, like, there has, there's, there's, like, a new kind of movement of people who are producing, like, their own insulin, you know, like, in computer hacker spaces, like, in, like, uh, metropolitan areas. Hmm. But, like, that's you know it's expanded so like i've seen people like home making hormones and stuff like that but some people are trying to move the biohacking to like further stuff where the idea is like similar to how 3d printers are kind of ubiquitous now like everybody can get access to them like they eventually want crispr to be this technology that everybody do it yourself gene therapy yeah so so Oof. that's my question to you guys is like what if uh, uh, like what if it like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation isn't pushing gene editing and stuff? What if it's like you can just go on GitHub and find the code to find whatever gene you want to edit? Like, would you be okay with a transhumanist agenda if it was all open source and everybody could just edit whatever genes they want to? I guess I'm like, not on in, their own. Yeah, I'm not into restricting people's freedoms on you know most things, but. I guess as long as things like that aren't being, I don't know. That's the thing though. Cause like, uh, how we're talking about, I, I'm completely against, you know, uh, experimentation on people for things. But if there was, like you said, some kind of open source, do it yourself thing where people are going to be there. Be the experiment. If the, yeah, if they were their own experiment, Hey, people do a lot worse with drugs already, you know, with how easy it is to get different psychedelics. You can, you can do a lot of things to yourself, you know, freely already. Yeah, but there's just too many unforeseen consequences when it comes to gene therapy. Like, how do you know what's going to happen two generations down the line if you have kids with their gene experimenting? If you they turn out to be like, be like weird selection too, like your kids would just die if you fuck <laughs> up. Well, yeah, but then there's just so many variables there where you're gonna fuck up because it's like, I, I believe that don't fuck with something if you can't make that thing so if they can't make a human body they shouldn't fuck with it what do you make a human body like and nothing's going to stop them technology is i mean the technology the greatest technology on the face of the earth is the human body there's nothing that even comes close to it yeah but how long do you think until we get like fucking replicant like blade runner technology like i don't think it's that but then that's that's that's, that's blade runner though the very first test was to test that person's emotion and test that person's like i don't know what's it called like the turing test or whatever like you cannot replicate emotions you can't replicate what makes a human human it's kind of like those uh there's those uh i can't remember who it was i think it's tibetan buddhists some of them believe that you know if uh like we're talking about a replicant has all the necessary tools to in to host uh, uh, like a conscious being some kind of spirit that it could inhabit that i don't know i'm not really uh settled you know like the ghost in the shell type of deal yeah i'm not really settled one way or the other on that no 
I guess. Who I, knows? It could. I'm it could be if that it. thing yeah. specifically. But then, uh, does a machine like self-replicate, like evolve, and like I don't know? There's so many systems with that human being, but it's just. I would think it'd be. Yeah, but my argument is like eventually, and within our lifetimes, like we're gonna get to the point where like people are gonna be able to fabricate. Uh, you know, biology, like within their homes or, or within a lab within their community or something like that. So there's there's going to be a point where we could probably about, uh, 3D print about like 20 a, a human body. Oh, 20 minutes? Oh, yeah. But, I, I'm, but I'm saying like there's going to be a point where we're going to be able to like 3D print like people basically. Um, and whether or not like it, the, like that cadaver might not be animated but like you know i think we might be able to get to that level of technology so like what happens when we get there and i think one of the things like the bigger point about you know all of the disasters that are going to come is that all of the people pursuing this research are already well aware and are expecting all of these future horrors to happen and they they don't care they've already seen yeah, they don't like they don't care. They're fine with that happening. They have a different goal entirely that they're pursuing and all of the horrors of gene therapy and transhumanism and human experimentation that are to come are, you know, already accounted for for them. It doesn't matter. It's weird. Imagine how long it's like beyond me, right? It's like really really beyond me at that point. You, I don't you print your cadaver. <laughs> so legit. See, like you're gonna, you're gonna, like I, how I don't know how old you are, but like your kids are probably gonna go to school with the CRISPR kid, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's so many. That's so, that's so, that's being like a guinea pig to like the utmost degree because it, it, if they change something in the genes, it's like how do they know? How do they know that's not gonna spiral and make another effect or whatever? But I, I, I don't like it. Just it's just YOLO. Like they're gonna YOLO CRISPR, and like I'm. I, that's why I was like asking. I was like, "What do you guys think? Like once it becomes open source and you can do this shit in your garage, like okay." But how do you debug a person though that's already alive? That's yeah. the question. The closest thing we have now is like I guess psychotherapy. <laughs> shit. But see that. Work. But that's oh, why yeah, my it's like electricity in your head like. That's why no, my different. Like, you get pills or something like, uh, like they're just gonna do what they do now. Like unless we come up with a new form of like therapy, that I don't know how else you debug them. And see, I'm pretty sure in the near future, if that kind of stuff becomes you know a little more widespread, and we see that, I think there's gonna be enough people that stay away from those kind of things that. There's gonna be almost different classes of people if it say if it's successful if people actually can, you know, have uh, way smarter kids because of those kind of editing or kids that are natural athletes and such. There's gonna be people that are just like, yeah, no, I'm we're cool, just trying to compete, <laughs> you know. If the technology even pans out in that way, if, if that's yeah. like something they achieve. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a there's a whole myriad of horrific dystopian futures that await us uh, in the areas of transhumanism and you know this assisted suicide and eugenics and all these things. It's it's kind of hard to <laughs> to figure out which one it's going to be. <laughs> kind of green. Well, they already, they already have assisted suicide in in a, in a sense, you know, with the whole. Thing I mean, with they kids have it now, like in Canada. Yeah. 
They have it here. It was no. Um, I'm saying with this. Oh, kids ODing on drugs and stuff like that. There's kids ODing on that, those drugs yes. like all every day. Yeah. That's a form of suicide. But I just, I just don't think that assisted suicide. People that it's like somebody who's broken is is gonna make a broken decision. Like, how do you know your decision is pristine to be? Oh, like, and yeah, I think no. That's a very good point too, because another interesting way to think about something like the opioid crisis, and I, you know, I talked about this. I remember being in. You know, I had a friend who was a. A homelessness activist and she worked with like she knew all the homeless people downtown in our city like by name and she would like they were dropping like flies and she just looked at me and she was like neil this is like a genocide happening here hmm. you know all of these people are dying dropping like flies from these opioids and the government's doing literally nothing you know like and it's they know like they know that this is happening we all know this is happening and we we've talked about it for years and years and we've seen it we've seen like people's lives just being destroyed and being thrown away and you know, these excess, essentially the government has designated these people excess populations, and we know that. And allowing something like the opioid crisis to happen, you know, in many ways, to me, what I believe is it's just a way to get rid of people who... So you're saying another umbrella of eugenics? Another tool of eugenics, yep. Another tool of eugenics. Yeah. And, That's, I would uh, agree. And like I would agree. And they can support, you, have, you know, they can support a depopulation you know, mindset and agenda without actively killing people. I mean, there there may be things like that happening, but like we're saying with these epidemics of these different drugs, just, just uh, you know, standing by and watching it is supporting, you know, those kind of... Uh, if you fill a river with acid and all the fish jump out, they will die on the land without you having to do anything. Mm-hmm. But who's the big bad in this situation? Do you think it's it's like you guys are alluding to the same government, like the same government you guys are in? Or is it a different government? People working together to sort of coordinate this. Like the people who manufacture the drugs are obviously benefiting probably like the most financially. So like and they probably they don't care what's happening as long as like they make more money every month. But I think that like Local governments are okay with the death of homeless people because they're powerless honestly, and overwhelmed. You know, yeah, I, yeah. Either they're powerless or they're okay with it. But or like, okay. basically, yeah. I don't think that they're trying very hard to like remedy mm. the situation. But, but my point is, is like, for a lot of local governments, like, like the people who are dying from these opioids are probably on like the list of quote unquote undesirables that like these states are aware of. Mm-hmm. So like. If homeless people die, they're like the government is okay with it because that's less money they pay out in like welfare and like food stamps and stuff like that. And I'm not like just saying it to be just like that black and white. It's just like if poor people like like people who aren't working a job, they're not paying taxes. They're not like benefiting the government at all. And if they die, then that is the government's okay with that because then they're not a burden upon like a, you know the quote-unquote taxpayer yeah and so for me what i what i see is that uh i i keep like seeming kind of nervous about how conspiratorial i'm sounding and that's because i don't think there's like some coherent or active conspiracy going on i think what's happening is we're seeing the effects you know of a greater system of incentives that are happening in many different levels uh you know trevor talked about the uh the company like everything trevor just said i think points to it exactly i don't know if any of these entities are 
you know, consciously conspiring together to allow homeless people to die, but all of their incentives and all of the structures of our society certainly like all point them in that same direction. And I think that's more what we're seeing. And I think that's also true of things like, you know, well, partly true of things like transhumanism and eugenics, where the incentives of our systems, you know, just incentivize, uh, oh my God, I keep saying incentive a lot. <laughs> they they push us and point us towards these, um, you know, these horrible futures and these terrible things we're doing to people, not out of consciousness, but just because of the way the the bigger picture, you know, pans out. The, the bigger picture is involved. you need people though. That's the thing. It's like even if you're rich, you're gonna need a person to make a house. Yeah, but they're trying you know to I mean? they're just... trying to remove also... people from the equation with mm -hmm. like with the whole you like, AI need... fucking automation bullshit. So like, so you're thinking, like I mean, look, they're, I, they're look, not gonna so... need people to build houses when they can like 3D print them. And I'm not saying okay. that, like, I think that that's good. It's just that's what they're working toward. Okay, where's okay? So I I recently went to San Jose, which is Silicon Valley, right? And I go downtown, and there's a bunch of homeless people. And I'm like, uh, if that were true, then they'd be trying to get rid of these people. You know what I mean? They really don't. You know, they. I'm like, there must be cameras everywhere here. They don't care. Like, whatever. They're just walking around the friggin' heart of, of uh, whatever computer town or whatever, where these things would be a thing. Well, and again, and like I not. said, those fish are dying in the riverbank. You know what I mean? They don't have to do anything about these homeless people. Mm -hmm. They just need to let them go. They just need to yeah. not provide for these people and they'll die uh, off on their own. Yeah, they're not they trying to get rid of them. Any money toward them and the problem goes away. Yeah, no, I've seen I've seen people be nice to them. I mean, everybody's actually really nice to, to them. Like, uh, for example, there was tents in the in the boardwalk and they just had it like, you know, uh, they had it chained off so people would go in there and like, camp out, I guess, overnight. That's fine. Because they were security. The they were fine with it. They were like, whatever. It's a problem. He like, as long as he's like, as long as the homeless people like don't start shit, the mayor doesn't care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so like, that's, that's it. As long as they don't start shit, like, then everybody's fine with them existing. Mm -hmm. As long as they don't but have. There's to pay a purpose money. for them to exist, though. It's to see the dichotomy between those who have a ton of money and those who don't. Well, yeah, homeless people are the best face, advertisement though. for why you should go to work, you know? Like, that's, <laughs> like, if you see homeless people, you're like, damn, I don't want to be like that. And that's why you go to, that's why you get to work on time. So you don't but get fired. But at the same time, they still also don't really matter in the greater picture of, you know, the centers of our economy and of our society. Right. They yeah. exist as a reminder to you and me. They're right. a literal excess population. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think excess population exists just because I think people could add it, it in extrinsic value to things. That is a, oh, absolutely. No, None of these first. people. I'm not saying they're excess population like innately. Like that's how the system Yeah, like eugenics, that. right? We're, think, we're thinking yeah. about eugenics and it's like Sometimes you look at trash and it could be art if you arrange it a certain way, you know. And, and so now we're calling could, them I've trash. Seen, dude, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen literal turd on the freaking on the sidewalk that looked artistic because it was shaped a certain way. Yeah. But what I'm but saying I'm... is that there is there's no such thing as perfection because you can find light in darkness. That's what I'm trying to say. Is that who makes that person the more, like the ultimate authority to say that person should die? 
just because they're homeless. Like, no, you don't but know what they're adding to the world. You're, you're a philosophical person, and the people who are running the system are like probably not like, yeah. and. And and maybe maybe they are. It, it doesn't matter if they are. But like the point is, is that like, regardless of what sort of beauty that you can see in all of creation, these people see this as a tax dollar liability. And if they can make it go away with spending no money, that's what they're gonna do. And that's all that. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. Everybody spends money on something. If you just go buy something to eat, you spend money. But I'm saying uh, you're the mayor of what, what was it San San and what was it what was the city San Ho- uh, Jose was where Google's at dude yeah San, all that stuff is at San Bernardino like you're the mayor of San Bernardino and you have a homeless like population right like the only thing that you care about is if they become a problem and so the the only way they become a problem is if they start like they lower property values or like they start stealing and like you know they upset the population but if large if everybody in that city basically just ignores this homeless population then you don't have a problem as like a mayor like if they ignore the population it's not disruptive and that's kind of what they're cool with doing like governments love problems that they can ignore that like ultimately don't matter what when it becomes a problem is like when that population you know increases too rapidly or if they get rowdy or if they start like taking things or whatever and i'm not saying this from my point of view i'm saying like you are a, you are the leader of a government and like this is what you care about it's how the system mm-hmm. views them yeah and yeah like the, the system views these people as liabilities and the way and, that and, yeah the way that governments yeah. treat these kind of people to me kind of lends fuel to the fire that uh you know higher ups people who you know are involved in think tanks and organizations that advise world leaders that they're they have interests in eugenics and transhumanist ideals because you would think that a society that has humanist you know goals and directives would probably treat that problem differently Mm-hmm. In the 1960s, eugenics was an official government policy of Canada. You know, they had, really? they did, yeah, they had official, they had camps where if you were, you know, women who were deemed to be like mentally ill or autistic or whatever we would call them, you know, back then in the 60s, you know, meant, you know, unwell, I don't know, what, I don't remember what the term was, they were sent to special schools where they were sterilized, you know, and there's a huge, there's a, serious population of this country of women who were sterilized and a lot of those women weren't necessarily even mentally ill or disabled or something or had genetic conditions you know or what well not that they really knew too much back then (laughs) but you know there was there was a whole project about it you know they said it was if you were like severely mentally disabled how could you raise a child was the logic but and, it, and that's how it was sold to people, right? Something that seems reasonable, but behind the scenes and the way it actually operated was far, far, far more inclusive of so many different things. You know, people who just misbehaved in certain ways, people who didn't fit in with society's values, you know, and all these were women, like women who didn't fit in right with society's values as young girls or children, you know, they, they had behavioral problems or something, maybe Maybe they didn't even have behavioral problems, really, right? And lots of indigenous women were sent there and were sterilized as well during this time, hmm. you know? And 
Well, and, and, when, and when I look at it now, except yeah. by just calling them BPD. Yeah, and it and it's and when you look at it now, it's it's really the same thing. You know, there's all of these like, oh, it's for medicine. Oh, it's for a brighter future. Oh, this will solve all these things. But we've seen through the history that it's always, always, always so inclusive of all these other, you know, ideal, all of these other virtues <laughs> <laughs> that people, um, that these entities sort of have for themselves and want to bring about on on all of us. So that's that's a test to test your virtues is is like going and helping that specific population. You know, like mental illness, like people who are in group homes are like three years old or four years old and they're just screaming at the top of their lungs every day and basically are, are acting like a baby and they're never gonna get better. You just go work day in, day out, testing your patients and wiping their ass, and then you wondering wondering why do they pay you for this? Why isn't this person just dead? It brings no value to society, but then you then you realize, wait a second, am I a bad person for thinking that? <laughs> that's the thing. That's that's why I say it's a default that people think they're a good person, but then when they get tested, you know, when you actually wipe, you know, an old man's ass that that is like a two-year-old functioning, how are you going to feel? Hmm. Well. I, I don't know if everybody feels that way though, and I I think momentary lapses in that judgment are something, you know. I th I think it. Normal, I think probably. that's natural. And that's naturalism, think... but that's why I'm saying that it's natural to think that way. It's it's the human yeah. inclination to think that way, and that's why we have to fight against it. That's the whole point: is that to fight yes. against something. When we always fight, we fight towards the virtue. We never fight towards what's easy. What's like, oh, being lazy is easy. You know what I mean? The sins are where sloth. Like that's easy. That comes naturally. There's no, there's no obstacle if it isn't that which is trying to get to virtue. I mean, like, you know what I mean, right? It's like I'm trying to, I'm trying to say that we always have to strive towards something better, because or else what is there? You know what I mean? What's the point of anything if there isn't divinity, or if there isn't some sort of virtue or something you could touch that is beyond this? gray world yeah well i mean i think like, maybe. like clearly those things exist though like because i mean even if you're not religious like you could argue that like the reason that we keep telling the same stories over and over and over about like you know these virtuous characters is and and these flawed characters is because we believe that these things are true like we wouldn't no one would sit down for an hour and 30 minutes in front of a screen like if they weren't like if they didn't see some value in doing so, like, you know? Yeah. What's that you doing? Oh, uh, well, it looks like we're just about out of time for the podcast. This is, um, yeah, this has been a really good one. I, I'm really glad you guys all got together because, I always like when there's a talk when it's not, you know, when there's different, you know, point of views, different angles on these different topics. So uh, if you guys want to just go around and just what are your last, last thoughts about, about our little talk here? Whoever. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I don't have anything super deep to say. Like, I think, like, you know, we went over all the points. Uh, I think it was a good chat. Um, they're turning the frogs gay. 
Um, <laughs> okay, well, I'll say something nice and genuine because my friend is uh, <laughs> clearly incapable right now. But one thing I like to, one thing I always found really profound for me when I was um, studying chemistry in school was uh, the concept of entropy. And one of the things my professor really stressed to me that like really blew my mind was that, you know, we look at all these chemical exchanges and all these like reactions and all these things um, and the way matter works and the way energy works. And what's the one true thing about all chemical reactions, all states of matter is that they're trying to always exist in the lowest energy state possible and that they're always trying to, you know, find the the shortest way, the most decayed way, they're, they're essentially just always falling apart to nothing. Hmm. And what's beautiful and what I found beautiful and inspiring about that is that um, if the fundamental truth about the world down to our very atoms is that it's all being destroyed, it's all going to nothing, then it's really like a redundant waste of our time to be pre preoccupied with you know, negative pursuits or destructive pursuits, because no matter what happens, no matter how much we hate something or hate the times we live in or the people or the culture, or the society, it's all going to come to an end anyways. Hmm. And what we should focus our time on more is creating and making more things because that's not the natural state of things. And I think, I don't know, that's what I want to leave on. Nice. There's nice. no, it's a waste of your time to, to be negative and to focus on destruction. Just create things, make things. It's all going to be destroyed anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I think that... Yeah, it's good to... Uh, that's a good point. I like that. Just create create art, I guess. Creating art that comes from like... Uh, I don't know. Where does art come from? Well, create create anything. Create something good. You know, people, I think people have an innate sense of what's good. They love, create families, create societies, create social bonds, you know, create art. Absolutely. Create, you know, technologies that create other things. If you want to just create, just make things. <laughs> or if you're not like super smart or creative, like just create experiences, like literally yeah. just spend time with people and Watch the clouds. Like, yeah, hang out, like chat bullshit shit. Like right now, like, Dylan yep. is creating an experience for us. Good job. Like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're doing what's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, Energy exchange, dude. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta, I don't know. We gotta upgrade. I think it's time for Earth 2.0. I think things don't stay the same. They never stay stagnant. I think we're gonna head to like just a better future. And it's a double edged sword right now. It's like technology. It can go one way to the left or to the right. Either technology is gonna use us. Or we're gonna use technology. It's gonna be, it's gonna be one of those situations. Dylan, can you drop mm -hmm. my gamer tag in the comments for uh, so people can reach me in Earth 2.0? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Spectre, by the way, on, on my Steam. I'm just kidding. Dude, I haven't played any game since Elden Ring. It was that freaking good. You just had to take this walk away for a while, digest it. It was it was amazing, man. It was like the best game I've ever played in my entire life. But uh, yeah, after that, I, I try to get into games and I just can't. It's just like I need part two of this game. It was that good. 
It's like watching, you know, like Avatar or Lord of the Rings and then like trying to watch something else. <laughs> didn't didn't they have something that they were talking about uh, Avatar depression or something back when that came out? People. Oh like... yeah, for that. <laughs> People were sad they couldn't go live in that world. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I think I have Avatar depression for like different uh, Elden Ring depression. Sort of depression. Like, I want to go to that world. It's beautiful HD. Uh, well, I was. Paradise. I was outside again for this one, and uh, I had a few uh little ufo type sightings so that's a sign that it was a good it's a good podcast it was there's a lot of energy in the air for this one so so i'm really glad you guys showed up it was a lot of fun had a good time tell the aliens i said hi <laughs> yeah thanks for having us yeah and, yeah hey, everyone's Everyone's always welcome. The show nowadays is just a totally open forum type of thing. I've had enough episodes where I talked. I had solo episodes, so I'm always always more interested to hear other people than to just ramble on about what I think. But uh, yeah, so I'm uh, going to get going. This has been episode 43. And yeah, see you guys later. I'm going to stop recording and then, uh, yeah, just give me a second.